Hi, my name is Paula Underwater. Hi, I'm Aquascape Adventure Ryan. Welcome to Rumblefish. Your underwater journey. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How are you doing? We are doing good. It's early yeah. in the morning. It is, but not for all of us, huh? No, we have somebody on the other side that's having a beer and ending his day. <laughs> Who do we have there? Um, Yuris is here. Hi, Yuris. Yeah, it's uh, 8 p.m. in Germany. Welcome, and... welcome to Rumblefish. Yeah, and just to make it clear, the beer is alcohol-free. Good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Still tasty. It is. <laughs> well, we're really excited to have you here. Um, I would I would try and say your handle on Instagram, but I won't dare because I wouldn't know how to pronounce it. So can you just, <laughs> in case somebody doesn't know who we're talking to, can you introduce yourself, please? Um, so that's uh, Yuri underline JS. So it's J-U-R-I underline JS. All right. Yeah, or if you type anything similar to that uh, in the search. Uh, <laughs> Instagram is it's quite smart these days. Also YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so I guess take it, take it from there, Ryan. Well, we want to really thank you for coming aboard and talking about your journey. Um, we're really excited to hear about the first tank that you ever started and how it went from there. Uh, my very first aquarium at all, I guess that's not so interesting. Uh, I would say, let's start counting from when I consider my first aquascape. No, no, okay? no, no. We want to know about the very first tank, especially if it had some kind of fluorescent grava, uh, gravel or something like that. We need, we need to know. Um, okay. So actually it was really cheesy. Um, <laughs> that's what we like. Okay. It, it was, um, a uh, 60 centimeter uh, beginner complete tank from Walmart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of these tanks. I was, I think, 11 years old back then. You guys have Walmart in, in Germany? We used to have, I think, oh. no more. Interesting. Mm. Um, but we, we had back then. So it, it was from Tetra. Um, and it was Dr. Wu, who was like a Kung Fu master. And he had a pet snail living in a dog house um, and I don't know some other funny critters I cannot remember so you know the set it's it's a basic beginner set and I think you call them something breeder 20 gallon breeder or what do you call these tanks yeah like the little tanks that you get at all those big stores that are just custom built ready to go kind of thing yeah, so there was a very, very weak uh, filter inside, a heater, a cheap light, and uh, yeah, I don't know, some stickers uh, with Dr. Wu, you know, this Kung Fu master. And uh, <laughs> like, um, I think like I know a, what like you're a, talking about, but I'm not sure. Um, um, what got, what what made you decide to have a, a tank, and how old were you at the time? Uh, well, it, it wasn't planned. Um, I just walked by uh, the shelves where the, this tank was waiting for me uh, with my uncle. And I said, oh, that's cool. And I don't know, maybe it was not uh, long before my birthday. And he said, do you like it? Do you want to have an aquarium? And I was like, yeah, I think so. I think it's cool. Uh, and yeah, this Boom. is how it happened. <laughs> so I got my first tank. And uh, then I think um, 
there was like a little leaflet I was reading in that. Uh, then for sure, I, I bought a book or something. Um, so started reading first and then went to a shop. Um, then literally bought everything I needed. But it was nothing with like neon gravel or crazy. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't really escaped. Uh, I used, I think, just plain gravel, no nutrient below that, uh, you know, did all the mistakes. I uh, used just uh, some easy uh, bunched plants like uh, Kabomba, Agaria densa, um, some Hygrophila. I don't remember the name, but it's one of these, you know, bunch of plants that you can buy. Mm -hmm. And then I had this, that was one of the cheesiest parts <laughs> about this first build. Um, I think it's quartz or some kind of rock with holes in it and it was very colorful rock hmm. Hmm. so i don't know so they kind of send a blast or i don't know wash those holes into this rock and uh, i think i, I know still remember i was watching the fish uh, that i got in there and i wanted the fish to swim through this rock through the hole did uh, you, never did, did it no you couldn't train them <laughs> <laughs> Um, and one of my very first fish was like platys and the coolie loach. Oh. And, and of course, some ancestors. So, yeah, that's how everything started back then. And from there, uh, it kind of slowly evolved. Um, I think there was a series of coincidences that has, I don't know, uh, helped me to get where I am now. So I would say everything started with this, still the same tank. I was rescaping it, um, pushing the, ro uh, the rocks into the gravel, stuff like that. Um, everything was like usual. And then I came back from school and the tank was half empty. And I was like, hmm, who's uh -oh. doing a water tank it's on my tank? Like, why, why is that happening? And then, oh my God, my, my feet are wet. The <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have an emergency here. Uh, remove the fish to a bucket, uh, so secure them first, and started investigating. So what has happened? I pushed the rock too hard against the the bottom glass. And oh wow! Oh, Very uh, hard. <laughs> it, it cracked, and um, yeah, the tank started leaking slowly. That's why I only have noticed it the next day. So this uh, was the first happy accident uh, because I needed a new tank. There you <laughs> go. Uh, was a little upgrade. Uh, I think it was a jewel. Uh, was it panorama or something? So I don't know, guys, if you've seen these tanks, but they are like a rectangular tank, but the front corners are like cut off like a diamond shape. Hmm. Hmm. Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah so um, so and, if, like um, if fives, how many sides would that be? One, two, three, four, five, like six, like a hexagon? Uh, not a hexagon. So, so the back side was normal. Oh. Just the front corners, they were like cut off, like in a 45 degree angle. Hmm. Um, so you had like, I don't know, this weird sort of. <laughs> so you have more corners to clean and collect the algae. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And in this tank, I started to take things uh, to the next level. I got my first, I think, uh, BioCO2 system. Uh, I got my first uh, some sort of substrate uh, nutrient mix, uh, heating cables back then. And I started scaping it uh, a little bit. I got some slate rock. I still remember picking the rock um, um, 
on a bicycle. So I went on a bicycle to a pet shop and I bought a lot of slate rock, put them in a, my backpack and I was driving back home and I had like, I don't know, 20, 30 kilograms of rock. Wow. In my backpack. <laughs> um, and I tried something crazy, which I'm, I haven't really done ever since. Uh, I used wood from the terrarium uh, supply, actually. Mm -hmm. It was um, uh, grape wine you know like um, grapevine yeah grapevine yeah so i used that um in the aquarium and it was good um it has worked well uh but it very quickly became thinner and thinner so oh, the great. fish that i had the autocinclus and the ancestors they were kind of chewing or munching on uh -huh. it uh, so and when I removed it after a year or so from the substrate, uh, the smell was really bad. It was rotting in the substrate. Oh, but no. in, in a water column itself, it was fine. I had no issues with it. Um, but I don't know. Ever since uh, I'm not doing experiments like this, uh, always play safe, and I use you know materials that are safe for aquarium. Well, that's uh, that's exactly what I decided to put into my new 60F. So we'll talk about it in a year. <laughs> yikes <laughs> i don't have any flakos um, in there though so <laughs> that's good and i would say the same tank remained for quite a long time and it's been you know on and off with a hobby and at some point my parents told me when the water was like 50 percent evaporated and the filter was like a waterfall creating a lot of noise and everyone hated me at night because you know you, it's difficult to fall asleep if the water you know is falling down from the filter <laughs> um so yeah basically my mom told me back then like you either make it nice and we're happy to help you with the you know some money so you're giving me some cash so i can uh, upgrade it or you're getting rid of it because as it is right now it's, it's not staying and this is when i started sort of researching and looking for okay how do i want it upgraded etc and then I stumbled uh, upon some work from Takashi Amano. Hmm. Um, and I would say this part is very familiar to many of the many listeners, of us, yeah. guys, for sure. Uh, like many people got into the hobby after they saw uh, the amazing works from Mr. Amano. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And this is where the aquascaping part uh, really begins. Where, where did you get your inspiration from before you came across Amano? Uh, on that on that first tank that you tried to escape for the first time? Hmm. I would say maybe from landscapes I've seen outside okay. myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know, things that I saw in uh, aquarium books uh, that I mm -hmm. used to have back then. But most of the books that I owned back then, they were... You know, like fish catalogs. More like about fish the fish, catalogs. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I knew all the species by their scientific names, like uh, where they come from, how big they grow, what what the parameters I they need. That. I was reading those books over and over and over again because uh, you know I couldn't afford a lot of the stuff, and uh, so but I had to keep myself busy. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no YouTube, no Instagram back then. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this uh, is awesome. So you were like 12, 13 at this time maybe a little bit older so ju just so we have a timeline how long ago are we talking about just so we know let's say um wait a second uh it must have been 1998 okay or nine when i got my first tank okay 
Um, and then it was this sort of, you know, I don't know, being like not knowing what I'm doing until 2008, okay. 2007. And this is when this uh, sort of uh, rescaping or yeah, the aquascaping journey began. Okay. So I would say around about 2007, I discovered the work from Takashi Amano. Mm -hmm. And I started researching and I probably spent like half a year researching and getting everything together before I started my first proper aquascape. Good. Wow. Um, so it's like 10 years, you know, old school. And then, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I have to give a, a shout out and a credit to a forum uh, that is I think no longer. Uh, it is the Aquascaping World Forum. I don't know if you guys remember the platform. No, me. Um, and they kind of got famous uh, because they used to have the Aquascaping World uh, magazine or journal. Basically, oh. like, I don't know, a few times a year, um, they issued a magazine. Um, actually, uh, the guy who started Aquascaping World, he came from APC, Aquatic Plant Central, uh, which is maybe more commonly known. Yeah. Um, and this uh, magazine thing used to be a niche thing on APC. And then he sort of outsourced it and started Aquascaping World Forum. Uh, and I think it's been shut down just a year ago or something. Uh, it's very pity. So anyway, I, I spent like half a year, one year researching um, without having even a profile. I was just a silent reader. I was uh, reading the journals from the people from day one, how they started their tanks, like all the issues they went through. Uh, I mean, many of the listeners of this podcast probably don't even know what forums are or never have used forums. I know. <laughs> I yeah. mean, guys, we have 2021. Are you using forums? <laughs> I think there's still... I mean, I, I, I recall some people from the UK mentioning some forum yeah. they have going on over there uh, and still going on. Yeah, UK. Yeah. But yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I, I remember forums back in the day uh, when I was not into the hobby. So it was for me, it was music forums at the time. Uh, but yeah, not anymore. Yeah, it was really your only way to get any information back then, really. I mean, like you said, there was no YouTube. Internet was being built. Internet was off. being yeah. built. <laughs> so yeah, I remember those days vividly. Oh. I still remember walking in, I think I've said it before, walking into school for the first time and seeing a computer with an internet and just mind blown. <laughs> well, and I remember the beginning of YouTube and thinking, man, this is going to change the world. <laughs> when when YouTube was just very, very primitive. Yeah. yeah. I think I jumped on the YouTube train pretty late. Uh, but um, yeah, so back then, forums were the social media of, uh, mm -hmm. of today, right? So... Uh, so I soaked up all the knowledge as much as I could, uh, you know, I, I was reading journals, you know, like 20, 30 pages where people have been reporting about everything, like documenting. It's like reading other people's diaries and having conversations with everyone else. Uh, it's almost like going through someone's Facebook profile, like six months, uh, you know, into the past and reading every post and all the comments, <laughs> all the conversations uh, on, on each post uh, uh, and trying to learn uh, from that. And then I started like a list where I've been, I don't know, like writing down, okay, 
I need aqua soil. That's that seems to be essential. I need <laughs> uh, pressurized CO two. Um, that's important. Uh, there is this thing like estimative index. Um, it's a fertilizer nobody knows about in Germany at that time, at least not in the shops where I asked about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I started then looking further where I can find the stuff, and luckily um, I found uh, some. Yeah, how to call them? Yeah, I don't know. One of the first aquascaping uh, shops in Germany. It was, I um, think, uh, or online shops. It was Aquasabi. Mm -hmm. And okay. uh, they used to have uh, back then the forum Flow Grow, uh, where I've been invited by the uh, founder of, of the company. Uh, and I had a look on it, and it was just like five pages. And I said, ah, oh, you know what? I will stay to aquascaping world. It's not interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we can maybe dive into like what the first setup looked like. Yeah. Um, um, but I would say a lesson I learned or I think something many people are missing uh, today. Uh, I would say this phase where I was reading for almost six months, like everything, just silently reading everything, just soaking up all the information, just doing my homework. People these days, they see the nice picture and they want instantly, you know, just yeah. jumping into it, go buy everything, start, run into problems. And then how do I solve them? Then they know? get discouraged uh, and that's it. And, and maybe quit very quickly. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew what uh, was to be expected, etc. And uh, yeah, I think I was very well prepared uh, on my first start, but you can never be prepared enough. Uh, so of course I had some issues. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. So speaking about the first real setup, um, it was a one meter by 40 by 50 centimeters uh, aquarium. Um, That's a nice size. It was, it was not OptiWhite. It was basic float glass with a black silicon. So nothing, nothing really fancy. Um, but I thought, hey, that seems to be like a common size uh, these days, uh, and it's bigger than what I had. Um, so I went for this one, and uh, I used ADA Amazonia, and I really liked the Iwagumi style back then. So I went for Dragonstone, mm -hmm. and um, of course, you know, Amiantus Calitricoides Cuba HC oh, as a carpet. Classic. Yeah, like, you know, I'm a, a bloody aquascaping beginner and, you know, I'm started with a Hemianthus Cuba. Okay. So, <laughs> what can go wrong, right? <laughs> um, so at this point, uh, I have to say that I have had a very unique tap water where I used to live back then at my parents' place. It was very, very soft tap water. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was uh, KH basically 102 straight from the tap gh3 or something like that wow. super super soft tap water uh, and you know using a lot of aqua soil in a tank what happens you know the soil absorbs some minerals from the water you mm -hmm. know it's even advertised as a positive effect but no one gives you a warning hey if you have super soft tap water uh, you better take care and add some minerals or do some heavy water changes well, they tell you to do the heavy water changes, but not to monitor the, the minerals in the water. Mm -hmm. 
So what happened, the Amazonia has soaked up all the minerals from the water. And with pressurized CO2, I had a pH uh, drop. So the water became too acidic mm. and all the sugar melted. Yeah. Uh, and this kind of happened within the first few days, you know, like uh, <laughs> you put so much effort into it. You study everything, you set it up two days later, it's uh, a mess. Uh, so, but yeah, I started when I set up the tank, I started uh, a journal uh, on the forum. So I shared my experiences that the plant has melted and immediately a lot of friendly folks appeared like, hey, Yuris, what are your water parameters? Blah, blah, blah. Can you measure this? Can you tell us that? Uh, I did. And we figured out very quickly, okay, I have two little uh, minerals in the water. So mm -hmm. it's unusual, but you have to remineralize your tap water uh, until the, hmm. the, the soil sort of stabilizes. And then, hey, Cuba is a little bit tricky. Why don't you try something more robust? Uh, so I went for Glossostigma. Mm -hmm. um, and this was a, yeah, a success. <laughs> I, I remember then having within just a few weeks a very thick carpet of Glossostigma. Nice. And, uh, you know, first you're very happy. You get this Glossostigma carpet, everything green, the rocks sticking out, uh, looking nice. And then you start trimming it. Uh, nice you know the plants are growing you're trimming them it's amazing you know because before that everything died long before that i've been struggling growing plants now everything seems like growing on steroids um but now you have to trim that carpet every two weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah um so this is how everything has started and from there on i don't know basically kept this one for a while and then started evolving and uh yeah developing my own style did the uh, when did the multi-tank syndrome hit for you mm -hmm. uh, hmm. i really have to think about it so you kept the one tank for a long time just the one and you just kept changing it and rescaping I think for a few years, I stick to that tank. Um, then uh, I think I upgraded for a 120 by 60 by 60. I built the cabinet myself. Hmm. Um, upgraded the light to, I don't know, uh, just uh, a myriad of T5 tubes uh, in, in one big light. Um, and I think it was around... Ooh, that's difficult. I think. <laughs> no, that's. If that was 2008, guys, wait. In 2011, which was pretty fast, I already started my sort of career where I registered my company. And in 2012, I went full time on aquascaping, being self employed. Mm -hmm. So things uh, escalated quickly. <laughs> wow. Um, so I, I think it, it must have been maybe the same year, 2008, 2009, somewhere around that, that I got, I think it was a Danela cube, 20 mm -hmm. liter cube, something like that. Yeah, I, I think I got one of these little cubes um, because I remember, 
or maybe it was like 2010 that I got this cube. Um, and then in 2011, uh, I, I know from one of the cubes, I used the images to create like some promotional print material or something. Uh, so I guess it was around 2009, 2010. I got the second tank and then I upgraded my one meter tank to a 120. Um, so then I had already three tanks. All right. Well, I think the conversation is getting serious here now. Uh, let's let's take a little break and we will take it back from here in a minute. Don't go anywhere. We want to thank OASE one week more for sponsoring the episodes for this month and just remind you that if you're listening to this episode on its airing day, and that will be October 31st, today it's the last day for you to enter the giveaway to win a Biomaster 350 Thermo. You know the drill, find a post on our Instagram, follow us, follow OASE, tag some friends, and you could be the lucky winner of this awesome filter. Once again, thank you so much, Oase, for being our sponsor this month and for sponsoring this awesome giveaway. I'm loving it because it's some of the stories that, you know, a lot of people haven't heard before, which is great. We hear some of the backstory of, you know, the famous Eurus and how it all started. <laughs> and it's, and it's so much fun because, you know, so many people that we chat with kind of have those similar stories of just starting a tank because they walk by and they see one and they mm-hmm. really want to have nature in the house and no idea what they're doing. And then you do it. And then all of a sudden you're like, it's for us, it seems like it's like a 75%. Some people are frustrated and they take it away for a while. And some people are like, okay, now I'm going to do research for six months and then I'm going to restart this career that or passion that I have. We've definitely heard that one a lot, like taking that six month break or just dive into it and get all the information all at once and then pile it up and, Mm -hmm. and get to it. We can get to some practical stuff where I share some advice for people, you know, like which steps to take first, second to sort of help them to succeed yeah whatever Um, whatever whatever you feel like and whatever the conversation takes us we really have no script here so (laughs) um so i would like to take it to just backtrack for a little bit and you mentioned when you you know you took a a leap of faith to a certain degree and you decided to make aquascaping your your job and your career Mm-hmm. how was that how was ma- taking that decision and, and what what pushed you to do it um so i think everything started at aquascaping world forum um so i became very a very active member i think well probably the most active i don't know if i had the most uh, posts on the forum or not very quickly uh so I was first soaking up the information, then I was sharing what I learned, and then I started helping people who knew less than I did. Uh, so then the, uh, the the founder of the forum reached out, invited me to become a moderator. Mm. Uh, from a moderator, I became a junior administrator of the forum, and you know, and then we started hosting uh, contests and helping gather you know 
content for the magazine, everything, um, you know, chatting with uh, potential sponsors. Uh, so I kind of dipped my toe into the um, business part of the hobby very early, mm -hmm. being on the beginning of the journey myself. Uh, I think I probably judged the first contest before I participated myself. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, so basically having this first connections already to, you know, industry and, you know, organizing and hosting things, uh, I think this has showed me like, hey, there is that business part. This is something you could potentially do for a living. Uh, I saw other people doing it. Um, I don't know. I, I think Tom Barr back then was very active on, on Bar Report and mm -hmm. uh, maybe also did some installations uh, for private customers, I think. Uh, so, yeah. And, and Aquascaping World Forum was like a mecca for, for all aquascapers at that time. We had people from the US, we had people from all over Europe, we had people from Asia, uh, you know, guys like Stephen Chong um, from, from Singapore, or I don't know if he was living in the US back then, I don't know. Uh, you know, everyone was sharing his knowledge on that forum. Uh, and then when Facebook, you know, became a thing and local forums were started, then people sort of, I don't know, uh, faded away, but I guess everyone knows Green Aqua. Mm -hmm. uh, but I still remember back then when Victor Lantos has started his very, very first nano aquarium. It was ADA Mini S or Mini M, and he he shared pictures of it, and I still see it in in front of my uh, eyes. It it was you know like a serious stone, one rock, very central. Uh, I think Hemiadis Cuba carpet. Uh, and then, um, um, I don't know, some, some bushy plants, maybe Micrantimum, uh, uh, Micrantimoides, uh, something like that, um, like baby tears, something growing behind that uh, cereal stone. And that was it. And then he had uh, red, not, uh, the, the crystal red shrimps in there, mm -hmm. um, something very, very simple. Uh, but immediately the aesthetics of this OptiWide tanks, the ADA gear, lily pipes, kind of imported for the first time to Europe mm -hmm. um, when Green Aqua Hungary was sort of founded uh, and it, the, the first steps of it sort of happened on Aquascaping World Forum. And I got friends with all these guys and then I saw them uh, developing their businesses and their shops. And maybe this has sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know inspired me to mm -hmm. maybe explore on it as well. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, in general, um, I mean, I will kind of cross promote uh, a video of mine uh, on, on my YouTube channel. Uh, there is an interview of uh, Balash from Green Aqua and myself um, uh, that uh, Logan made uh, with us and kind of edited together, uh, asking us the same questions where we tell the story like you know how we took the leap and mm -hmm. uh, sort of started our careers and you know completely changed from what we've been doing before uh, so yeah um, but you know long story short um, at that time I was uh, working in a corporate environment in the financial sector and it was very hectic I had long working days including 
one to two hours travel in the morning, one oh. to two hours travel in the evening. Uh-huh. Uh, basically, during winter time, I saw no daylight because in the morning it was dark. Yep. In the evening, when I got back home, it was still dark. dark again. The, only daylight, <laughs> the only daylight I got was, you know, like half an hour lunch break. Um, so, and at that time, I really enjoyed the aquariums and they sort of have been very therapeutic uh, for me Mm -hmm. uh, to relax, just calm and uh, yeah, just forget everything after the the long working day. And um, it was, yeah, 2008 and nine, shortly after the financial crisis where the whole financial sector was very, how to say, yeah, not the best place to be. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, for a young man who is who was looking to making a career, it was a very bad timing, you know, mm. uh, uh, the company has let many people go, the, the good people, they left the company companies by themselves and switched somewhere else. Uh, the company I was working for uh, was uh, sold once, sold second time. So you have different owners, they, you know, have been cutting down all possible costs. Um, so I also realized without a, um, how to say academical degree, like without the, um, formal degree. Yeah. Without having like a bachelor or a master degree in, in some kind of, I don't know, something, uh, it would be very difficult in, in this uh, environment to succeed. So I said, okay, um, I have to leave and I have to start uh, studying. So that's what I did. I actually left this uh, company uh, and went uh, to, uh, yeah, college or university, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, We call it somewhat different in Germany. Um, But I couldn't start immediately uh, because I missed uh, the the point, uh, not the, the point, the um the entry date to mm-hmm. uh for, for the year for the, for the winter uh no for the summer semester mm-hmm. uh so i i was accepted for the winter semester uh so i basically had half year free all right and it was 2012 and uh i thought hey uh, i should somehow use this opportunity and see what's possible and uh yeah and then things, yeah, went very, very quickly. Everything happened all at once. <laughs> yeah, uh, like basically overnight. I think um, it was, um, I think it was Eheim. Um, I met them the year before at a trade show uh, where I participated as a in a live aquascaping contest. So they hired me to do a show tank for their interzoo booth, which is the um, biggest trade show. Uh, in the, in the pet industry uh, happening every two years in Germany. Uh, so they hired me to do a display tank for them. Or was it two tanks? I don't remember, um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, and also the ADA uh, distribution uh, was before that uh, done by somebody else. And during that year, it has changed. So there was a new distributor. Uh, I kind of reached out to become friends with him and also to have the opportunity to buy the products for a potential customer uh, projects. Uh, and he approached me like he needs support uh, again, interzoo and also with the, you know, um, helping cover, I don't know, like the, the South region of Germany, like 
helping distribute or sell the products basically and i said okay well let's try i have nothing better to do uh, and i loved ada the brand and, and the products and uh, then i went to interzoo attended there and after that uh things kind of uh rocket started uh i was approached by a magazine i started uh, writing uh for that magazine like every two months i was publishing articles in a magazine um so i was uh, supplied with products to do the articles and uh i met uh shop owners at the trade show they wanted me uh to do display tanks in their shops and also to take care of these tanks and to do workshops um and then the half year has past and then the time you know go, time to go back to college not go back kind of time to, go to start in. yeah <laughs> to go in. yeah um so that's what i did but i was already so busy with work which i never expected to happen in this short period i barely had time to visit the lessons and so i struggled for a couple uh semesters and then basically i made the decision to drop out because uh, I had to decide one or another. Uh, and like every year I was becoming more and more successful at the time. Mm -hmm. I was almost fully booked out. I think in 2013, Eheim has uh, commissioned me to do a roadshow with them. I don't know how many cities all over Germany. Uh, I think like 15, 16 uh, cities all over Germany. And and a couple of shops even in Austria and Switzerland. Uh, so like every weekend I was uh, in a different place. I was setting up big tanks uh, for them, uh, promoting aquascaping. Uh, I had this, I don't know, display tanks in, in those shops uh, where I live. Uh, I took care of them on a weekly basis. I had my first private customers. I said, okay, I have to stop all this and study for, for what? For a piece of paper? I mean, if you don't know. <laughs> Yeah. If, if you don't know what to do, it, it's it's a good thing because, you know, in Germany, the, uh, you know, you, you can study for free or for at mm -hmm. least a very small uh, yeah. fee. Uh, so it's not like in the US where, you know, it's it's a major thing where you have a lot of debt after that. But right. in Germany, if you don't know what to do, it's the best thing you yeah. can do. Uh, just go study, uh, you know, just improve your skills. Yeah. Uh, but never uh, hurts. And for me, it was a decision and I have to give a credit to my wife at the time. It was my future wife. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, I, I met uh, Lena in 2013 um, and she saw how much I was struggling, you know, sort of how to say, I don't know, like juggling with the, all yeah. those different things, projects, clients. Uh, I think I also, yeah, already worked at that time in my uh, parents' uh, business. Uh, they have a travel uh, company. So I was doing some accounting there. Uh, so, you know, you have your hobbies and the forum and, you know, writing articles, doing these workshops, uh, travel a lot. And somewhere in between trying to study, yeah. it's like close to impossible. And uh, she asked me, Yuri, Yuris, think like what what will be the benefit for you afterwards when you finish uh, when you get this academical degree do you want to go back to this financial sector or do you want to sort of live your dream do what you do now and sort of develop there and i realized it brings me nothing yeah and i already you know with with my education i had uh, from the you know from from 
the jobs I had before I did uh, the apprenticeship in a in the financial sector. Uh, I already knew all the basics they were teaching uh, in, during the first uh, semesters, and I realized a lot of things they're teaching very quickly because I was already in the trade. You mm -hmm. know, I was I was already self-employed, and I saw a lot of stuff they teach is theory, partially maybe outdated. Things wouldn't work like that in terms of you know marketing and and media. Um, yeah, it was, it's so, a it's a period of time where everything was changing really quick uh, in terms of yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I just decided, okay, um, I will drop out. I will focus on, on my career. And if there is any skill I need, I will not hesitate to invest the money to take private lessons, to mm -hmm. do, I don't know, coachings or do some sort of e-learning or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I did. Um, every time I needed something, I visited uh, workshops. I visited, you know, like private lessons. So I taught myself how to use a camera, how to film, how to write how to program, um, you know, homepages, uh, HTML, all that stuff, mm -hmm. uh, how marketing works, basically, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, social media or if it's email or another type of marketing, yeah. you know. Uh, so I taught everything myself. Uh, and I would say no regrets so far. <laughs> so your hobby is just turned into a passion where it's not a job. It's just something you enjoy doing every single day. Yeah, exactly. And I, I easily lose track of time. Um, <laughs> and if, you know, if, if you do something you love uh, and, and you love what you do, uh, you know, money and time, uh, you, you forget everything. You know, when, yeah. when, I, when I do maintenance, when I escape uh, aquariums, I'm, you know, in the mood, you know, like in, in the sense of flow, uh, you know, I, I can spend four hours trimming uh, plants and uh, forget everything around me. And I don't even need music, you know, for That's that. A beautiful uh, thing. Um, so, yeah, and there is so much you can do. And uh, there are many lessons uh, on that way that I have learned. Uh, because, you know, I don't know, are you guys kind of self-employed? You work in a corporate environment? I am self-employed myself. I okay. kind of work in the corporate field. I'm an executive sous chef for a big hotel, so. Okay. And I have, uh, I have a little language school. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. You have to constantly be on the, on the search, uh, try to look into the future, predict things, and uh, yeah, try to make the right decisions ahead of time. Yeah. And uh, that, that's how everything went. And I basically changed my focus every two years ever since. Um, that would probably take too deep. Uh, at this point and it might <laughs> be a little bit boring i think uh, we should share some valuable knowledge to the people so you know which is like about the hobby and not so much about the business part yeah um i mean we have you here we might as well take advantage of that and what what would you tell to somebody that's just starting in the hobby uh what would you tell them one thing that they should do or take care of and one thing that sh they should not by any means do um i think that fits very well in one of my favorite pro tips um it's a three-step advice uh so I, I will start with what i don't recommend and mm -hmm. this is you know it's something they should focus on you know like the last like in, in the third uh, part 
So, you know, um, so I say first figure out how to grow plants. Yeah. That's number one. Mm -hmm. When you get into the hobby, you have to figure out how to keep plants alive, how to make the plants happy so they grow healthy. Don't care about the layout, don't care about algae, don't care about anything, just plants. Make them grow. Mm -hmm. When you figure out how to grow plants, you know literally like 70% what you need to succeed in the hobby. Uh, step two is to overcome and to master the algae. <laughs> and zero, um, like absolutely don't care about your hardscape, what the composition looks like, also the shape of plants, doesn't matter. Just healthy plants, as little algae as possible or no visible algae. When you mastered these two things, then you can focus on the third step, which is, you know, getting fancy, starting to starting to arrange rocks. The, and, arti and, and, the artistic uh, part of it, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the wood pieces and, you know, getting the nice gear, uh, the OptiWhite and, and the expensive stuff and everything. And also getting into the difficult uh, plants and, you know, and, and really investing into it. Um, because if you do the opposite, and this is like the, the most common mistake I see beginners do, and this is something not to do, is to focus on the hardscape too much in the beginning. Uh, I see people buying a lot of hardscape because they're focusing on, you know, on, on, on the composition, uh, but they don't have pressurized CO2. I would say, hey, just get rid of all the rocks and get yourself a pressurized CO2 system. That's going to make your plants grow. And, you know, you can get the rocks later. Mm -hmm. um, or, I don't know, folks sort of debating and wasting uh, a lot of time on where to put which rock and the, the branches, the angles and the composition, whatever. And, and the, you know, all these rules uh, to, to, to make the composition look good. Uh, and I look at the plants and they look like they are dying. They don't want to live in this aquarium. Uh, so what do you like, what, what is the best hardscape if the plants are dying or melting or look like shit? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is the basic uh, three-step approach. First, learn how to grow plants. Step two, master the algae. And then step three, then you can start scaping. Um, and when you like scaping in terms of, you know, designing and, and, and rescaping mm -hmm. and rearranging things. Um, and for that, uh, my second favorite uh, tip um, is how to become a better aquascaper quickly. No. Um, so there is this smart formula, probably everyone has heard about, which sort of applies to, you know, it's like a marketing uh, formula. Uh, so you have to set yourself smart goals. Um, and I, I like to apply the smart formula to aquascaping. So, you know, you have the, the letters S, M, A, uh, R, T. Yeah, smart, S, M, A, R, T. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to set yourself uh, goals that are um, small. Mm -hmm. What is it? Wait a second. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they should be measurable. Uh, they should be achievable. They should be repeatable. Mm -hmm. And 
they should be timed. So you need some sort of a time um, aspect to those goals. Uh, so let me give you an example. Uh, for ex the example is like this. So I, I will start probably from the back. Uh, so you give yourself a time frame mm -hmm. uh, to achieve a certain result within a certain time frame. Let it be two months, three months, four months, whatever. whatever. You know, just whatever. Set yourself a timed goal. Um, you know, and, and don't say I want to achieve a masterpiece that is, you know, world ranking top 100 or something, just something decent, healthy plant growth that looks nice, that, you know, is pleasant to look at and just, uh, how to say, improves the, the space. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just nice looking. Um, and then it should be somehow measurable. Uh, so here, for example, okay, like what exactly you want to achieve um, so that, for example, you have healthy plant growth. If it's an evagumi, you have complete carpet and it looks nice. You know, uh, you're not mixing two, three, four, five species where it's difficult to balance them all out, just less species and just, you know, something it's, it's done much quicker with them. Um, and then don't use something which is very difficult. It is that uh, achievable aspect. So go for an easy plan. For example, the Micrantimum Tweedii Monte Carlo, for example. Uh, it's a very easy carpeting plant. Um, and then, you know, make the whole thing repeatable. Do it over and over again. Um, so in the past 10 years of, you know, in, in, in the aquascaping hobby, I met many aquascapers, many beginner aquascapers. And those who have made, you know, the biggest, um, how to say, progress within the short time, they all have one thing in common. They are rescaping their tanks frequently. Don't keep a single layout for two years trying to get the Rotalus just the perfect red or the 100% perfect shape. Uh, they're rescaping it as soon as they achieve a certain look. Mm -hmm. They get bored, they have a new idea, they take things apart, they reuse the materials, just rearrange everything and start from scratch. Uh, so why does that work? It works because you go through the process of uh, putting things together over mm. and over again, you know, this, you are repeating things. Uh, you go through the same phase of, you know, this starting the aquarium, this initial phase where a lot of things can go wrong, where you can run into algae which is basically the difficult phase. They mm -hmm. go through this phase over and over again and they learn how to master it. Mm. Uh, they, don't, they basically don't have any algae. If I look at uh, those tanks, uh, there are some guys right now on Instagram. Uh, they have tanks that are, I don't know, like three, four weeks old and they already look like a masterpiece ready to take a final shot and to submit into a contest, <laughs> uh, which, which is insane. And this is because these guys do basically everything right from the beginning. Uh, they have uh, what we call the green thumb. Mm -hmm. um, um, and uh, yeah, they, 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 they learned to read the plans. They don't follow any strict, uh, you know, like dosing regimes where you need specific water parameters. These guys, they just look into their tank and they see uh, the... I don't know, the hygrophila looks a little bit pale. So they know they have to add a little bit more iron fertilizer. Mm -hmm. Simple. Uh, or 
something is not as red as it could be, so needs iron. Uh, they have um, what's called uh, like signal plants mm -hmm. that will show you very early that there is a nutrient deficiency. Something's missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, for example, you can take floating plants. If floating plants are not growing properly because they have plenty of light, they have unlimited CO2, uh, they can't be covered with algae from the top. Mm -hmm. they are all, they, all, the only thing they have to do is uptake nutrients from the water. If they don't grow well, you don't have enough nutrients. And then the, the fastest growing stem plants, uh, whether they are, I don't know, um, Hygrophila 53B or Siemensis or whatever, you know, like easy, mm -hmm. some of these easy stem plants, if they turn pale and they turn pale very quickly, you know, you have a lack of, uh, you know, uh, nitrates or, you know, whatever nutrient, you know, just, uh, and, and if, if you do these things over and over again, then, you know, you will learn this to read the signs and yeah. then you know it becomes like uh second nature to to, to you to uh to to have a successful aquarium mm -hmm. uh, i have hard times honestly teaching people how to battle algae because i barely have algae in my tanks <laughs> so usually uh they, they are either running smoothly no problems like for a long long time and then I run into issues and then I will do all kinds of things uh, to fix it. And then it's all fine or everything escalates and then I rescape it. Um, <laughs> you know, but other people, they, they constantly run into algae issues. They don't have this lean back and enjoy phase. Yeah. Um, um, and this is because they only follow the rules. They don't try to, to, to read or understand things. Oh. Um, and, and there is no secret formula like, you know, like do this, do that exactly. And then you will be successful. No, like every tank is different. Yeah. Even yeah. like best example is uh, two months ago, I set up three tanks in one day. They're nano tanks, no worries. Um, <laughs> and uh, they all three developed differently. In some of the tanks, uh, some plants have melted. In others, there were no issues. Some of the tanks had little diatoms, others haven't. And I haven't used hardscape in none of them. I used the same water. They're all run by the same filters, uh, same light, same CO2 kits. Like they have identical hardware. They are identical size. They have identical hardware. They have the same fresh plants from the nursery. Um, I use the same fertilizer, the same soil, maybe even from the same bag, <laughs> and they still develop differently. And they're all maintained the same day every week. And they're standing in the same room. They couldn't be more equal. And they still <laughs> develop differently. That's why uh, I always say that this hobby, you know, has a, a big part that we can control. And 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 for people with OCD and, and, and stuff like that, it's like you got that part that you can actually control. But then at the same at the same time, there's that magic. I call it magic because I don't know what to call it. But it's just like you said three tanks at the same time with the same everything and they do what they want to do. Like you can't stop nature. You can control it you know to it after a certain degree and and that's what fascinates me about this hobby you know how you have to put it together you do your best and then you let it go mm. and you just watch it yeah and and sometimes you just need patience mm -hmm. and you yeah. need time um 
sometimes it's the same plant. Like even in yeah. this uh, example from before, uh, I used Eleocharis uh, pusilla in, I think, uh, two of the aquariums. Mm -hmm. In one aquarium, it did absolutely fine. In the other, it melted two times, hmm. maybe even three times, or the third time it survived, but it was barely growing. Uh, like it just looks if there is a little patch of soil where nothing wants to grow, <laughs> which is weird. But as yeah. so soil is a natural product, so you know, you know, it can be a different batch, but you can also have just something. And uh, I, I, I experienced beginning of this year, like uh, myself, like what it means to have, you know, just maybe bad luck. Um, uh, I have this 120 centimeter aquarium at home. Um, I, I did a classic Iwagumi in there and I submitted it also to the IPLC contest. Um, so after I set it up, um, first started nice. The first two weeks, I usually never have any problems. After two weeks, you know, the biology sort of kicks in. I get, you, you get the diatoms become, you know, you have mm -hmm. the algae phase. Uh, that it starts a little bit uh, later. Uh, when this started, I was first confident, okay, it's as usual, let's put in the algae eaters, we'll be fine. But it wasn't getting better. It got worse and worse and worse. And uh, I think I struggled for two or three months. Wow. Uh, and it wasn't growing and I did all kinds of things and I was close to giving up. Uh, but then it's starting to get better. And then it turned really nice. And I did videos about the tank and everyone was like super amazed, like, like wow. Uh, I did videos where it was looking terrible and mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh my God, what is wrong with the tank? Like, why are you doing everything right? Um, well, a couple of things I did maybe not so right. I did less water changes. It wasn't very minimalistic Iwagumi with very little biomass, a lot of soil. Uh, I probably had a lot of... Um, pH fluctuations, like a lot of stuff that was not as usual in this scape, uh, but I didn't give up. Um, I was still doing the water changes. I was fighting it. Uh, I tried to bring in some uh, stability or some sort of stable parameters, if you, if you can say. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then luckily it, it, it has helped and then the tank has recovered and then turned really nice. Um, and the lesson learned here is, um, you know, you can have very different conditions and uh, plants are very, how to say, uh, they can adopt to a very wide range of water parameters and conditions. Yeah. Uh, if, if you just look up like wherever, I don't know, like your favorite uh, plant supplier homepage, uh, you can look up the stats for the plants, what the requirements are, you know, like in terms of pH, mm -hmm. temperature, water hardness and light. They all tolerate a pretty wide range of water parameters. Mm -hmm. But what is important to try and keep those parameters as stable as possible. Yeah. So the plant can get used to it and then it will thrive. If the parameters are always fluctuating and changing and there is nothing stable, then the plant doesn't know what to adapt to. And in nature, usually it doesn't happen. So usually in nature, you have pretty stable parameters. That, that's probably the best piece of advice that I would give anybody, you know, that's, that's struggling or, or just not even struggling yet, just wanting to get into it, into the hobby. It's just 
and 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 it's easier you know it's easier than 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 you think just to keep those stable parameters as long as you don't mess with them too much you know that's that's why you kind of see what your water is or what water you have access to and you know it just kind of keep it there you know don't try to be chasing stuff we always say this and just don't be chasing parameters too much because it's just like it's really hard to just keep them stable when you do that unless you're a master chemist and you know how to you know but still it's just nature it's yeah but also if you are a master chemist uh you know like if, if you look in the reef hobby they do so much to keep the parameters stable. They do microdosing several times a day. Um, it's 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 crazy, and I can tell you, like these successful aquascapers, or I can tell everyone, the successful aquascapers. Not even talking about myself, like you know, like all the big names out there, the contest winners. None of them is measuring every water parameter every day and is micro adjusting or managing his uh, water levels. Mm -hmm. These guys have a, a maintenance routine, which probably looks like one to three times a week, a water change, at least once per week. Mm -hmm. And it's a big water change. That's important. That's going to reset everything and get out everything that shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. um, and they're using a fertilizer, whether it is on daily or weekly basis, but it's sort of the same. They've, figured out a routine that works for them, for the tank they have, for the size, for the soil, for the light, for the CO2, all they have. Uh, because, uh, you know, the, the, the aquarium system itself has many dials, like variables. I like to, you know, look at it as a tripod for a camera. A tripod has three legs. If you're adjusting one leg, the tripod sort of uh, folds over in, you know, in, in that direction. So you have to balance all three legs. Uh, like all those things needs to be in balance in the aquarium uh, those legs are so you have your light you have your co2 and you have your nutrients and those are the three legs and where it becomes a little bit complicated is with the nutrients because you have two types of nutrients first is substrate based nutrients and then nutrients in the water column in the water column you have co2 you have your NPK, iron, and trace. And all of this, all these nutrients need to be in balance with the CO2 and uh, light. Um, so it has to be matching. And when it's matching, it just simply works. Um, and you have to kind of find uh, the sweet spot and just stay there. And it doesn't mean you have to constantly adding a little bit something every day. Um, most of my tanks, I do weekly dozing. Um, and maybe one more thing where a lot of beginners struggle, uh, they see a specific plant they want to keep, but maybe they just don't have the right uh, water parameters for this plant. Uh, so I'm using reverse osmosis water on all of my tanks. Uh, main reason for that is uh, I made bad, bad experience with tap water. Uh, and it was this perfect tap water. I told you before that mm -hmm. it was so soft. Uh, uh, so there was something one day in the tap water, they did some construction work and that something has killed all my discus fish back oh. then. Uh. 
And after that, I said, okay, I'm switching to RO and I will use RO, I will play safe. And then when I started with customers, you know, every part uh, of the city, like different areas in the city, different cities, everyone has a different uh, tap water. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how it's in the US, in Germany, it, you know, somebody, they take uh, water from mountains, somebody takes water from the river yeah. or from a lake. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we have different uh, parameters everywhere in Germany. Uh, so how can I control the unknown? The only mm -hmm. way to do it is to use RO, remineralize to a certain level and keep everywhere the same parameters. So that's what I'm doing for now basically 10 years. So I have my system with RO everywhere, the same water parameters, uh, which simply works for me. And for somebody else, it could be a tap water. Uh, we all know these people who seems to have like the magic or the perfect tap water. Well, lucky them, but you can't <laughs> uh, you know, if you don't have it, then just don't try it, you know, just do what is required to do this extra, you know, go for O uh, and then, you know, have the, the peace of mind that, you know, you, you have the, uh, the water conditions to keep the plants. Or if you say, no, I can't afford it, then stick to plants that will do fine in the tap water. There is a big variety of plants that will work in literally in any kind of uh, water parameters. Yeah, I mean, RO, it's, it's a very nice way to control the environment that you're growing your plants and keeping your fish in. Uh, but I run all my tanks in tap water for the first year. Uh, and, and here in San Diego, in California, we have we have pretty hard water. Uh, and, and, that, and you know, my plants were doing great. I had, I had great growth and, and I did, yeah. I mean, I had CO2 and all of that. But yeah. Just, you know, give it a try. We always say this also in the in the, in the the podcast to people starting and to people, you know, undecided about doing it or not. Just give it a try. Give it a try with what you have. And then you'll see if you want to make adjustments or not. Or if you need to make adjustments or not. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, with these great words of advice from Yuri's, uh, we're going to say goodbye to you for today. Uh, running out of time it was great chatting with you great getting to know a little bit more of your of your journey it's been such a pleasure thank you for taking the time yeah you're welcome guys thanks for having me thank you very much and we'll leave all the links underneath in case somebody doesn't follow you yet uh, especially your youtube channel definitely great place for inspiration and for information and, and yeah. advice uh, recommend to everybody and yeah We'll talk to you soon. Thank you again. Um, I would like to leave uh, the chat with one final advice. Yes. Uh, and this is, you know, sometimes you hear different things. Uh, and there is one rule that is certain in the hobby. There is for sure multiple ways to success. There is no one right way to do things. And beginners often get confused by different advice. So the best uh, you can do is pick out one, uh, I don't know, like, uh, how to say, like, like a mentor, somebody, uh, doesn't have to be myself, you know, there are many other great uh, teachers on the internet who share their knowledge, just pick one and follow his advice as best as you can. Don't mix up things, because then you have like multiple chefs in the kitchen, mm -hmm. it doesn't work well. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, is best guaranteed to success. We all have that. We all have that one mentor, that one person that really helped us through the beginning. 
Yeah. Uh, and that we're so grateful too. You know what you you know who you are. Um, <laughs> so thanks to those people. Thanks to you again. And yeah, keep up the good work. We're we're here for it. Will do. Was nice chatting with you guys. Same here. Nice chatting. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. What a fun conversation we just had. I know we've watched like numerous, or I have at least numerous YouTube channels, like his videos and yeah. just falling in love with aquascaping and all the things that he does. And then being able to chat with him and realizing, you know, just like with every other guest, how much we have in common and just being able to sit down and just have a chat about it. It's just so much fun. And you guys are not, are not hearing any of these, but after we stopped recording, we had a really nice chat about life and yeah yeah really he's enjoyed. just a gr really great guy yeah we really enjoyed the chat today we really enjoyed the rumble we hope you guys enjoyed the rumble as well if you want to support the podcast rumblefishpodcast.com go get some merch throw us a bone <laughs> help us pay the bills yeah um, and it's getting cold everyone needs a new sweater right yeah <laughs> everybody needs a rumblefish sweatshirt in their lives and and uh mug for some hot cocoa or whatever your hot drink of choice is Ooh, what about some hot cider mm -hmm. maybe spike it a, lid, a little, a little bit. hard cider maybe spite it a little bit spider spice it spike it <laughs> oh my goodness gracious uh i hope this all stays in this conversation it's not gonna stay uh <laughs> thank you guys for being there one more week we do this for you guys so we love that you love it and we love you Till next week. Keep it rumbly. We want to thank <clears throat> sponsored by our to win a Biomaster 300 Feasty. You know what you have to do. <laughs> you go to the website, no website. You know the drill. Find uh, once again, once again, once again, thank you, thank you, Oase.